This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 35. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn there. And uh, I want to share, my heart's very full right now. In fact, um, it's beyond words. Uh, we've been prayed over now in two services. Um, so I just feel over, I just feel an overflow of love and grace. And um, now I have to preach. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Tiffany and I, we've been praying for uh, a family that uh, Jesus described. Uh, as you know, in the Gospels, Jesus began to call all kinds of different people to himself. And he didn't worry about the judgments of the of people on the outside. Uh, and there was a time when his uh, natural mom and uh, brothers wanted to kind of pull him out of ministry. And so they asked him to, to step outside of the house. And he uh, looked out at the circle of folks that he had gathered together, and he said, uh, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, those who are seeking to do uh, the will of God, and, and we've been praying for years, and, and when we came, uh, we were given that, we were invited into uh, a family, and uh, we experienced uh, the love of God here, uh, the infinite overflow of the Trinity's love for us and and so now that I've been asked to be an elder, um, I feel a huge responsibility, but it's also, I feel overjoyed to hopefully be able with the other elders to protect that, to know that uh, whoever the Lord brings into our church, uh, that they will know the love of God. That's our prayer. And so we've been spending a lot of time in Ephesians, and uh, towards the end of that book, uh, Paul talks about spiritual warfare. And basically what he says is that uh, all of life has a spiritual dimension to it, which means that basically all of life becomes a battle in some ways. Uh, we'll, we'll go to work and we will be confronted with uh, conflict and we'll come home and oftentimes there's gonna, there are going to be battles to wage there. Uh, there are battles on the outside and there are also battles going on within our hearts and things that we're working on. And it can feel overwhelming. In fact, it can get exhausting after a while. And yet the scripture gives us a rhythm to life uh, that's modeled by Jesus. And I want to share it with you this morning. And basically, if you, if you look at the life of Christ, you see Jesus moving between two ways of being. He's either engaging or he's departing. In his life, it's a, there's a season of engagement where he will get into spiritual conflict, and then there'll be times where he will pull away to be alone with his father, to heal, and to be empowered. Uh, if, if you don't mind standing up for the word of God, let's read it together. Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, 
And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of God. Jesus began his ministry by calling disciples. He called Peter and James and John and Andrew. And the very first miracle that Jesus does in the Gospel of Mark is an exorcism. He begins to attack Satan's kingdom, right? The Holy Spirit cast him out into the wilderness after his baptism, and he is tempted by the devil, and he overcomes that temptation, and then he spends the rest of his life destroying Satan's kingdom, one exorcism at a time. And so he casts out a demon, and then he continues to do ministry, and at the end of a long day, people come from everywhere because they heard that there was a powerful miracle worker in Galilee, and they brought all who were oppressed, all who were hurting to him, and we're told that he cast one demon out after another. And then night came, and instead of sleeping in, we're told that he went out by himself to be alone with the Father. There's a few things that we learn from this passage. Firstly, it wasn't immediately easy for Peter and the others to find Jesus. Right? When Jesus needed to be alone, he was very intentional about that, and so he went off to a wild place. We also see that that time to depart was temporary for him. Right? Sometimes we get crushed by life, we get uh, uh, depressed, we get overwhelmed, and there's a tendency within us to just check out and walk away. Right? But what we see in Jesus is this temporary departure to be built up, to be strengthened. And then he goes back into the battle, right? The passage ends with him going back and casting out more demons. And on and on he goes. He goes out to pray. There was a group at the time called the Essenes in Judaism, and they were especially famous for being pious and devout to God. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, They wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so they had a really good reputation. Uh, They were basically monks that lived together in community. And one one of their habits was that they would all get up before the sun came up. And they would stand quietly facing the horizon And they wouldn't say a word. And they would stand there for an hour and they would quiet their hearts and they would attempt to give God all their loving attention. And then when the sun finally broke over the horizon, they would say a prayer and then they would go and do their work. And they would do that day after day after day. And so what we see is Jesus getting up even before them (laughs) to go and be alone with his father. And we're not told what he prays here, but we can figure it out if we read the gospel of Mark carefully. 
You see, if you go towards the end of the gospel, we're told that Jesus departs once again for prayer, and he goes into a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, by himself, he, he looks up and he says, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That word Abba is an Aramaic word. And it was a word that was used at the time for small children. When uh, their dad would come home at the end of a day's work, they would cry out, Abba, Abba. Right? This is a word that you would use in the house. This was a word of intimacy. It was sort of a private family word that would be used. And, and here you see Jesus going out into the wilderness, and he faces the greatest mystery of all, God the Creator, the creator of all things, whose being you and I cannot even begin to comprehend. Utter mystery. And Jesus looks up and says, Dad, Abba. That's the relationship that he's inviting you and I into. You know, before he goes on his own to pray, we're told that uh, Jesus underwent baptism. And we learn something very beautiful in that moment. When Jesus came out of the water, we're told that the Holy Spirit went into him. And as the Spirit was working within him, the Father looks down and says, You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. And so if you put those stories together, you figure out something really, really beautiful. Do you know what it means to pray in the way of Jesus? Praying in the way of Jesus is a response to the Father's love for you. Right? Praying in the way of Jesus is the Father looking down on you and saying, you are my beloved daughter. Right? And we respond by saying, Abba, Dad, Father. That's the relationship that Jesus is modeling and he's calling us into. What we learn from Jesus is when we are hurt and when we are wounded by life, that we go to the safest place in the universe. We go to our Heavenly Father. Amen? When Jesus was hurting, facing his execution, he went to his loving Father. When Jesus was hurting and, frankly, didn't fully understand why he was suffering, and he said, my, take this cup away from me, he still went to his loving Father. Right, And so that invitation for us, when we are hurt and when we are wounded, to go and be alone with God. One of the things that we learn from this passage is uh, that when we're alone with the Father in prayer, we get re-centered in our purpose for living. Right. Right? Jesus says after praying, I have come for this purpose. I have come for this purpose, right? We, we get depressed in life when we start to get distracted from why we exist, right? And it's so easy with the grind of everyday life, of getting up and working and, and the, the pace 
of our life. The craziness of city life and all the things going around us, right? The noise can become overwhelming and we wonder why we get so depressed and stressed out and anxious. And yet we come to be in the presence of the Father and we listen and we will often rediscover why we're here. I was talking to a brother yesterday who's feeling the Lord stirring him to go do something new. But he doesn't know where he's going, right? And I know there's some of you here this morning that feel that way. Feel the Lord's pulling you, pushing you somewhere, but you just don't know what that next step in the journey is. And and maybe there's something here in this passage to help us with that because you see Jesus gets recentered in his purpose and then when Peter finally finds him, he says, okay, now I know what I need to do. Yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach the gospel to all the synagogues in Galilee. And so Jesus is given that next step in his own personal journey right. in his obedience to the Father. Before casting out demons, the Holy Spirit Mark tells us, cast Jesus into the wilderness. <laughs> and oftentimes people think that when he was in the wilderness and he was being tempted by the devil, that was a place of weakness. It wasn't a place of weakness. That was a place of strength. Yeah. Right? Satan can hide behind so many things here in our life, but there's something about going out and being alone, right? That he gets unveiled, wow. right? He gets exposed. Wow. And and so this is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit leads Jesus to go and be alone with the Father, and he confronts Satan. And so we discover that being alone with the Father becomes a means of empowerment in our life, right? I was talking to Pastor Aaron yesterday. He's reading a great book that talks about how we can get so focused on um, the activities of ministry, right? And the programs of ministry. I was in a five-hour elder meeting yesterday. <laughs> so talk about the programs and, and all those things. And uh, so many of us are so active and we're volunteering and we're serving in so many beautiful ways. And praise the Lord for all that. And yet sometimes what happens is we forget the power of our ministry. Right? We try to work out of the flesh, and then we wonder why we burn out. You know, And so being alone with the Father and the Holy Spirit is a means of empowerment. There was a, there was a sister in Christ uh, named Catherine of Genoa, and uh, she lived in the 1400s. And we're told about her that her attention to God would make it difficult for her to talk with anyone. And she would become so enraptured by God's love that she would go off and find a secluded place. What's interesting about this woman's story, though, is that that was only a temporary departure for her. And she and her husband ended up giving their lives to serving the poor and the sick. One year, the plague came to Genoa, and in a matter of one month, 
four out of every five people in the city died. Could you imagine a crisis like that? And in that terrible, chaotic tragedy, a lot of the people in the city ran away. But Catherine stayed behind, and she opened up her home as a hospital to serve those that were dying. That's the kind of empowerment that I'm talking about, right? Of, of prayer leading to social action, right? Those things have to always be held together. And then, strangely enough, going and being alone with the Father, taking some time out to breathe, can also increase our evangelism, right? Jesus departs early because he was a guy in really high demand at this time. I mean, this is kind of funny to me. Jesus wants to be alone, but he's pursued because of his intimate relationship with God. And that's one of the great mysteries, right? Of, 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 the more we learn about God, the more we desire to be with him. And yet the deeper our relationship goes with the Heavenly Father, the people in the world will be attracted to that, right? And they're going to see the intimacy that you enjoy with God, and they're going to be drawn to that light, right? And so, so many of us in ministry will find that our time is going to get eaten up and so we have to be very, very disciplined about uh, our prayer life. You know, Anthony, um, there's a brother in Christ named Anthony of Egypt, and uh, he lived in the fourth century. And uh, we read about him that he would withdraw by himself, as was his custom, to his own cave. And he intensified his discipline and sighed daily, reflecting on the dwellings in heaven both longing for these and contemplating the ephemeral life of human beings. So basically, he would go off in the presence of God and consider his own mortality. And what he, over time, was able to enter into was a greater freedom from the attachments of the world. But here's the interesting thing. The farther Anthony went into the desert, the farther all the people in the city would go out to try to find him, right? And when, any, when anyone was hurting in the city and they were wanting to hear wisdom, when anyone was in a crisis and they were wanting to hear from a, a wise person, they would go on a pilgrimage and they would seek Abba Anthony out. And eventually, even the magistrates of the city began to say, before we make any decisions, we need to go talk to Anthony. And so they, yeah, praise the Lord. So the magistrates, the powerful, eventually started to go out into the desert to hear the wisdom of God, right? That's so utterly unlike the wisdom of the world when it talks about power and influence, Amen. <laughs> right? But we have a man who's dependent on his relationship with God. When I was uh, uh, meditating on this passage and I was praying through it, I felt the conviction of God. And uh, he said to me, what about the lonely? Right? I know that there are some of us here this morning 
where the idea of being even more alone with God is maybe the hardest thing to hear right now. Thinking about that, I was reminded of a time uh, when my parents took me out of middle school. Um, they, they moved me from one school to another school, and it was eighth grade, which is a tough year. And I didn't know a soul. And uh, I was shy, so I wasn't that personality that would walk up to people and say, be my friend, you know? <laughs> And I remember sitting in the cafeteria alone at lunch. I remember walking around uh, the playground, kind of shuffling, trying to look like I was busy doing something, picking up trash. Uh, I remember going home on the bus, um, sitting in the back, ignored. And I remember just day after day, that loneliness would just creep up. And it can be very overwhelming and very, very painful. When I was thinking about that, I was reminded of a prophet named Jeremiah. Do you know that God told Jeremiah that he couldn't get married? <laughs> he, he said, Jeremiah, you have to stay single. There wasn't even a Hebrew word at the time for bachelor. And then not only that, but he said, he said, you're not allowed to go to parties. You know, you're not allowed to go to weddings or funerals. So God's pulling him away. And then even worse, he gave the poor guy a really unpopular message to proclaim. <laughs> right? Basically, you're sinning as a people and you're about to go into exile. Right? This is not a way to build mega churches. <laughs> but sometimes God pushes everyone else away so that we can be alone with him. God came to Jeremiah and he said these words. And you don't need to turn there, but it's Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14. Write that down if you need a passage to have some encouragement, if you ever feel lonely. But God says in Jeremiah 29, 12, he says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You see, God is the humblest of all beings. God is in every room, but rarely acknowledged. But God can be found in our loving attention to him. When we step out of our lives momentarily, and we seek to give him all our attention. Sometimes we have to be alone to discover that we are never alone. Right. 
Departing for a time with God also will reveal who we are. Some of us find our identity in work, but we are more than our jobs. Some in parenting, but we are more than parents. Some in our cultural identity, but we are more than culture. These incomplete notions of self disappear before God, who looks at us and says, you are our beloved. You are family. We are God's family. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we can pray. We're God's family. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your son. Lord, we're grateful that in this great mystery that we are united to him. And that the same Holy Spirit who flowed through him flows through us this morning. The Apostle Paul tells us, Lord, that the Holy Spirit leads us to cry out, Abba, Father. And we know that you are with us and that you are hearing us, Lord, and you will reveal more of yourself to us as we reveal more of ourselves to you. Father, I pray that you would protect our church, our community. I pray this would be a place where the body of Christ would be shown, Lord, regardless of all our imperfections and shortcomings, Lord. We're, we're finite. We're not able to show your love out of our flesh. But, Lord, we know that you can work through us to be a blessing to others. Father, I pray that uh, this knowledge that you've given us, that we are your children, that we are your sons and we are your daughters, Lord, that that knowledge would go from the mind to the heart. Do that, Father. We invite that. Let it go from mere knowledge to experience and knowing. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus, who died in our place. Amen. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.